and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. This week, we're doing a film that I found online. Uh, I had never heard of it, but it sounded like a lot of fun because it is a mashup. Is that what the guys call it these days? I guess so. A mashup between two very, very famous studios, a Hammer Horror Studios in England, which did all the Dracula movies, and they were basically... Our House of Horror for the 60s and 70s, and um, the Shaw Brothers. And the Shaw Brothers are still going going strong, but uh, they were, and especially during the 60s and 70s and 80s, uh, Hong Kong's premier movie studio doing lots and lots of kung fu films. And so somebody's bright idea in 1974 at Hammer was, hey, because kung fu movies are so popular, why don't we take one of our most popular franchises, Dracula, and go over there and make a Dracula slash Kung Fu mashup. And that's the movie we have. It's called The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Also known by its alternate title in the United States, The Seven Brothers and Their One Sister Meet Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like seven brides for seven brothers, except for like seven evil vampires meet <laughs> seven brothers and their sister yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or in the case of this film it's like two brides for seven brothers yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man where to begin with this movie had you this is actually the last in the line of um hammer dracula films you know this started uh in 1958 i believe with the horror of dracula starring the inevitable peter cushing and christopher lee yeah, Peter Cushing always playing Van Helsing and Christopher Lee always playing Dracula up through this final film where Christopher Lee, I think, probably took one right read at the script, decided, ah, eh, that's not my cup of tea, yeah. <laughs> and bailed on the production, which is just as well because he wouldn't have had much of a role in this anyway. But Peter Cushing decided to stick it out and uh, plays Professor Van Helsing one more time. Although I guess it's debatable whether this is actually the Professor Van Helsing from the earlier movies or not. Yeah, it's a little confusing to me. I, I guess apparently in this movie he's actually playing a descendant of his earlier character. I don't know. Well, that's what people say, because otherwise it makes no sense, because he actually died in one of the earlier films. This movie is supposed to take place years after that, but he's the same dude. I mean, he's Professor Van Helsing, and right. he references encounters with Dracula, so it almost seems like a little bit of a retcon for to go back and say, oh, no, no, this is just a relative, even though it's certainly not ever referenced in the movie at all. No. He doesn't reference another, oh, my my brother or anything like that. You know, my uncle, my brother, yada, yada, yada. There's none of that. His son's in this movie, which is interesting. But uh, but yeah, that's it. So anyway, the timeline's all whacked. Yeah. I don't think they ever really cared too much about continuity with these movies anyway. But um, yeah, there are a lot of problems actually with, with this movie making sense, which may be why it wasn't a big hit. <laughs> Maybe one of the reasons. I don't know. I was uh, a little bit disappointed because I've actually, sadly, never seen any of these Hammer Dracula films. I I I've definitely seen... Oh, my word. Christopher Lee, you know, I've seen him in character in stills and maybe in some brief clips, but I've never actually seen him as Dracula. I cannot believe this. I know. And any time you see, you know, lists about, like, who is the best Dracula, he's always very high on the list, uh, if not at the top of the list. Um, so I was a little bit disappointed. But you're right. In this movie, it wouldn't have made much difference anyway because Dracula in his true form only appears for the first five minutes and then the last five minutes. Yeah, really tacked on, to be honest. Yeah. The whole movie's kind of tacked together in a very tacky way. <laughs> well, and, and, and apparently, you know, as you said, this was I the last one in the Hammer series, the last Dracula film in the Hammer series. I think there were like nine of them or something. Yep. They did approach Christopher Lee. They wanted him to do it, but he turned it down. And apparently, I guess maybe the one before this, they had really had to convince him to come back. And the guy that they cast in this film, John Forbes Robinson, in the 
prior movie, they had already cast him thinking they weren't going to be able to get Christopher Lee back. And at the last minute, Christopher Lee decided he would do it. And so uh, they they used him. So this guy they used uh, at the last minute. Well, I don't know. In this film, Christopher Lee just... I, I, I read that, yeah, he read the script and he just wasn't interested. John Forbes Robins, Robertson is a pretty accomplished British actor. He did a lot of television and a number of movies and we haven't seen it yet but there's a toby hooper film called life force uh-huh. uh, and he plays in that that would have been like uh about 10 or 11 years after this one um so you know it would be interesting to see i i personally think he's a pretty bad dracula in here in fact he's even dubbed <laughs> by another actor and I, know. I guess he was furious when he found that out <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 i don't know i mean y- there's not even really enough to judge him on. I mean, all, all you can That's judge him point. on really is kind of the look. You know, he doesn't really have much to do, uh, which is unfortunate. It's it's a cop-out, really. Yeah. The whole thing seemed to me that they wanted to make a kung fu movie, and it's like they just kind of wanted to tie in a Dracula story as a gimmick, really, more than anything. Right. It could have just not been Dracula. You know, it could have been anybody. It could have been an independent story about Chinese vampires. The the whole Dracula thing just kind of seemed tacked on, kind of for name recognition. And, I mean, whatever, that's fine, but kind of lame, really. Yeah. And It comes across as lame. You know, I know that in the 70s especially, maybe the late 60s too, there was a huge market for these kung fu movies. I mean, they they were really popular. There was a a, a big audience for them. I kind of don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's fun to watch, you know, these choreographed fight sequences and stuff. But when that's the entire substance of the movie, I found myself just... Tuning out. Well, yeah, and just waiting in the interim for the fight scenes. Like, ugh, okay, story, story, story. Okay, fight scene. <laughs> yeah. And and the fight scenes were fun. I, I wouldn't say they were amazing. They, they were typical. They're, they're what I would expect from... A 1970s kung fu movie. You know, there are good kung. There are a lot of good kung fu movies out there. This is definitely not one of them. It all feels a little phoned in, to be completely honest. Even the fight scenes themselves, like you said, or well, I don't know. Maybe you said it, or maybe you were saying something else. But they're not particularly entertaining. Yeah, I don't think that they're very dramatic or really that exciting. They have all the requisite parts, you know, a bunch of people doing a bunch of fancy moves, and there's some nice bit of blood and gore. It's all kind of cheap, but that's generally how a lot of these films were. I think the thing that makes any action film, whether it's kung fu or action at all, work, and what makes fight scenes um, fun and interesting and tense is that the stakes. Yeah, yeah. You have to care about the characters. Uh, They have to be people that you really want to see the outcome, and you're hoping that this isn't going to be their demise, or this isn't going to really set them back. And that's the thing, you know? And and in this movie, it just... um, It it never really establishes these stakes. At least not convincingly. It just blows through everything so quickly, and tries to kind of tack some character into these people, but they're just too many people. Yes, yes. I was even thinking about this like the Ninja Turtles. So, so <laughs> because it's a little set up that way, I guess we better jump in a little bit and start talking about the plot. It starts out in 1804, Transylvania. We get a scene with a, a Chinese guy improbably um, hiking up the mountain to Castle Dracula. Uh, he goes in there, he wakes up Dracula, and basically s- starts to talk about that he is the king of the vampires in China, something like that, that there's seven vampires there and uh, they have been beaten back by the community or the town that they're in. And he's asking for Dracula's help to resurrect them and bring them to their full glory. And Dracula's like, well, you know, normally I don't leave my castle. (laughs) Yeah. Yet you can serve me, Khan. I need your mortal coil. 
I need the form of your miserable carcass. I need your vile image. I need to walk this earth again. Freed from these walls. Freed from this mausoleum. I will return to your temple. In your image, car. I will recall the seven golden vampires as my own host. Tools of my vengeance on mankind. One way or another, within these first five minutes, the traditional Dracula that we know turns into this other Chinese kung fu guy and your typical wuxia kind of long wispy black goatee mustache thing and half bald on top with the long black hair it's it's very very stereotypical yeah and and from then on dracula is in that form and he's always there kind of behind the scenes to kind of like i don't know guide or inspire these seven chinese golden vampires but like he just doesn't really have much to do like he just kind of hangs out in the temple and like gives them words of encouragement before they go out to fight like that's (laughs) he's a cheer he's a coach he's their coach yeah he is and and that's kind of sensei yeah that's kind of all it is (laughs) if this if this were a japanese movie well and he does that for a hundred years because we fast forward to 1904 in chung which i think is actually like a supposed to be Chongqing, which is what we would call it now, and that is a region in, kind of in the southwestern part of, of China. It's very mountainous. It's 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 a pretty remote, but it's known for having really, really spicy food. No. That's all I know about it. <laughs> well, I've never been there. It sounds lovely. <laughs> spicy, spicy food and beautiful women. That's, those are the two exports of um, Chongqing, apparently. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love me some spicy food, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, I love me some beautiful women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then it's it's in the it's nineteen oh whatever it is four or whatever a hundred years later and uh, Van Helsing is lecturing Van Helsing Senior. There's two. There's the older one played by Peter Cushing, and then his son who whatever I don't remember. He's got his own name, Leland. He's lecturing to uh, these Chinese academics. He's talking about like this legend, right? The academics are like. You know, they scoff at him, like, oh, we don't believe in this silly traditional lore. We're academics, la la and give us some credit. <laughs> yeah. And and there's then there's just there's one guy there who approaches him afterwards and you know, it, it just like you said, like the stakes aren't that high because you don't particularly care about the characters. Like this this one guy that approaches him basically approaches him and says, I'm one of seven brothers and we also have a sister and our ancestors come from the village that you're talking about and the village has been decimated by these vampires and I I don't even really understand what their purpose is do they want to reclaim the village do they want to kill the vampires out of vengeance is there something else at stake like I didn't even really get it well the story the legend is told in flashback and you know, one thing that this movie does pretty well, and Roger Corman's films do the same, and Hammer films off, you know, do the same, is it's almost like when they're writing a script, they go through the script and they're like, okay, every 10 pages there needs to be some blood, some gore, some boobies, whatever going on. And so there's a good deal of flashback in this movie, even at very odd moments, just to sort of fulfill that requirement. And so um, while he's telling the story, it flashes back to the legend. The legend basically is that in this village, there was a farmer who approached this pagoda, which is up on the hill overlooking the village and kind of surrounded by a graveyard. At the same time that these seven vampires that are, you know, Dracula, I don't know if it's supposed to be the same moment the Dracula's finally resurrected them all or something, or if it's just one of their regular ceremonies. He went up and uh, sneaks into the pagoda. And we, we got to describe the scene because you see the scene quite a bit. Yeah. Inside this pagoda, around the perimeter of it in the inside, are these sort of mummified-looking, gross vampires. Yeah. They have like a golden eyepiece over their eyes. 
and they from their necks hang these golden medallions that are big they look like bats mm-hmm. they're bat shaped and then i guess the rest of them's kind of hairy like sometimes they look like gorillas but i think it's probably just what they're wearing yeah <laughs> like they're they're like they're they look like they've been buried i don't know they're like kind of half decomposed it's it's an odd costume and like mm. i couldn't tell if it was makeup or a mask because they're eyeballs look weird too and the whole time i was thinking how do they see like like not not the vampires the actors like (laughs) because it looks like their eyes are behind these weird eyeballs uh I don't know. But yeah, anyway, they they disgusting. they have some ceremony and I did like it's a cool set piece, you know, it's it's inside the pagoda and there are like seven for lack of a better word kind of like slabs or or almost like uh medical tables surrounding this big blood pit and all of the slabs are kind of angled so that you can imagine if these women and there are like seven i assume virgins i don't know if we're going by lore but seven women in various stages of undress <laughs> strapped to these tables and boobies it was kind of weird to see boobies in an old movie like this i was a little surprised mm. but whatever they look nice what well, you, you, you got to see more more of these hammer films i think <laughs> yeah i guess so and it's some sort of ceremony going on and i don't even remember what happened do you <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> that's a good point no um the ceremony's going on and uh, at about the time it's going to start and dracula's you know overseeing it all this farmer bursts in and tries to untie one of the women that doesn't go so well because one of the vampires wakes up and runs after him. In the process of the fight, he tears off of its medallion, yeah. which starts him smoking from the point where he tore it off, like his life force is leaving him or something. Not enough to uh, you know, kill him right away, but he runs away, and then Dracula guy uh, summons all of the undead armies from the graveyard around, so we get a lot of this sort of bursting out of the grave scenes of these Chinese undead coming complete, all with their weapons. I guess they were all buried with their weapons. Yeah, they look hilarious. The, they do. These, these zombies, like, they're all in virtually identical costumes. And again, it's some sort of mask over their face. Skull-looking mask, kind of a half-skull thing. But they but they all look exactly the same. And when they move, it's like they like they skip. Like yeah. <laughs> like they skip around. <laughs> well, that's a reference because, you know, and this is not by any means a traditional Chinese vampire movie by far, but there is a, a tradition of Chinese vampires and they're like former priests or something. They wear very distinct outfits. They all kind of look the same. They have blue skin and fangs and they hop like they literally hop almost comically. So, and they, they have these things on their forehead that if you tear them off, that's kind of how they die. So there's a tradition of this and vampires are hopping. That's just what it is over here. And so I thought it was kind of a nice touch that they included that in a more subtle way than in your traditional Chinese vampire movie when they're like literally bouncing like kangaroos all over the screen. Well, it was a little jarring to me because I'm not familiar with that tradition i mean now that you explain it it makes sense but i was like oh weird like skipping (laughs) zombies that's odd and they they all are virtually identical and i swear that some of them weren't even actors they were just like the costume on a stick right didn't yeah, you think so? I think you're right. Yeah, especially <laughs> like they scenes, just put like the, the costume on a broom and like bounced it up and down. <laughs> I know. It's funny. <laughs> it's true. It's totally true. But you know, there is a sense. Now, this isn't a frightening movie, but I think odd things like that do have a certain way of kind of unnerving you a little bit. Yeah. And that aspect of it, I think, was one of the sm- the the few things that made these creatures just a little more unnerving than they would have been otherwise. I don't know. Maybe I'm just giving it a little too much credit. But well, that's maybe how I a, felt about it. maybe a little too much, but yeah. I mean, it was something that you noticed, and uh, you're right. I mean, it's not scary in any way. I I, I really kind of thought that 
maybe if I were eight, like I would have thought this movie was really cool because mm. there's fighting and boobies and you know a little bit of blood here and there and i i could imagine myself as a child catching this like on a saturday afternoon on cable or something yeah. and and kind of thinking it was it was pretty cool i don't know you know i i really tried to appreciate it for what it was uh just because it's so left field of what i would typically enjoy but it just it wasn't that great and no. and a big part of it is because these seven brothers like they I can't pronounce any of their names and I I hate to be you know that terribly m- American midwestern ethnocentric guy but they all kind of look the same and well they they're dressed the same I mean they, yeah. they do kind of look the same I mean you know this is why I liken them to the ninja turtles <laughs> right well that's the thing that like that's what distinguishes them is their fighting styles you know some of them have knives and some of them have those big I don't know kung fu sticks I don't know what Donatello had <laughs> you know like, <laughs> and uh, one of them has a mace and yeah uh, yeah there you go shoots a bow and arrow yeah yeah and a bow and arrow and like they've got different things and they've got different skills but because there are so many of them like I said there's kind of the one who's kind of the representative for all of them but even he doesn't have much character yeah the only thing that kind of distinguishes him from apart from the others is that he is their mouthpiece he's the only one who talks yeah yeah and he has <laughs> i guess what you would call a romance with the one caucasian woman i i think she's supposed to be from the netherlands or something scandinavian yeah. mm-hmm. um vanessa and she's like their patron she's fascinated with van helsing she meets them at some posh meet and greet at the university after he speaks and she talks to van helsing jr and he says you know my dad is interested in this legend and she's like oh well i'm a big fan of your dad and i've got a bazillion dollars so i'll finance the trip to this village on one condition and what is that that you take me along too i think a vampire hunt sounds exciting mrs baron it is quite out of the question A woman couldn't possibly make such a hazardous trip. We'd be going to unknown territory, areas that are unmapped, and the countryside abounds with robbers and brigands. I know. I also had to leave John King. I suspect the fate Mr. Leon Hong has in store for me is rather more colorful than what he plans for your son. And then she ends up kind of... (laughs) It, it's it's like they, I feel like they really try to push that they're having a romance, but it's really just kind of like furtive glances and walking off together. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> her her and and the one lead brother, and then Van Helsing Jr. Then also has that same kind of furtive glancing, walking off together, sharing one brief kiss romance with the one uh, Chinese sister. Yeah, it's it's this sort of movie idea that if you get men and women together, you know, for any length of right. time, they're going to have to pair up at some point. They, they even commented <laughs> they even commented on it at one point like you know, the the Chinese brother and the the Caucasian lady walk off together and Van Helsing Jr is like romance springs up in the oddest places <laughs> <laughs> and then like the Chinese sister walks by and he looks after her and Van Helsing Sr is like yeah it sure does <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb <laughs> it's really silly well and it, it borders on I don't know it's it's a little weird too because th- I got a I'm really riding the line with this movie in this in the way that films especially from this era that are produced and made by uh westerners play up the exoticism of the of the east you yes, know yeah. and eastern women and their delicate flowers and and then you know it tries to do something different here where i mean I, but it's not trying hard enough and it's and it certainly still commits those sins like she's she's done up she's got her makeup she looks gorgeous you know she's in, in a things. beautiful kimono you, you like mm-hmm. yeah and it, it it's very it is very stereotypical and it is very like oh yeah like the exotic east 
priest. Like, <laughs> but the thing that I liked about the sister character is even though she was very kind of, and she was very beautiful, the actress who played her was gorgeous. The thing that I liked about her was that she kicked ass. Like, yeah, she, uh, you know, when they would do the fight scenes, the brothers were so kind of indistinguishable from one another. And she was not. Yeah, that's because true. Because she was the only woman. And she totally held her own in those fight sequences when they were fighting, like, the legions or or whatever. Um, she was tough. Now, eventually, she did get captured and became the damsel in distress, which is a little bit disappointing. But up until that point, you know, she, she was a tough broad, and I liked that. That's true, but then it kind of gets undercut by these interstitial scenes. Like a beautiful porcelain kitten. Then suddenly you're a fighting tigress. It's incredible. It displeased you. So it amazed me. They put a party together to go with these brothers. At first, they don't want to go. Van Helsing is like, oh, you know what? This costs a lot of money, these kinds of things. But because uh, Vanessa is there and she has loads of money and she's supposed to be this woman who's a little fearless in this regard, even though... Uh That's really uneven as well. She really ends up playing the damsel in distress, sitting around doing nothing during these fight yes. scenes. So it's like they're trying to play her up initially as a, a, a bit of a strong feminist kind of woman, a little forward thinking. They, uh-huh. they can't. It's like they just can't bring themselves to actually do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. So, so she has these lines where it's like, oh, you know, a tough woman who can hold her own. And then all she's doing is cowering in the corner where all everybody yep. else is fighting and becomes the victim two or three times. To be fair, though, that's all the white people in the movie. No, that's a good point. All the white people in the movie just stand back and watch while the Chinese folks do all the fighting. Well, they might wave like a like a torch around or well, something. Well, that's the thing. That's, what, that's something else I was going to say. Like, young Van Helsing will get in there and fight a little bit. But one of the things that I was really disappointed, and I would be interested to see how he's portrayed in the other Hammer films, senior Van Helsing in this movie is worthless. Yeah. Like, absolutely <laughs> yes. worthless. Um, he can't fight to save his life. The best thing that he can do is wave a torch around. Like, that's yeah. all he can do. And, and it's anytime... funny because... No, I was just going to say, it's funny. They they film those scenes, like, through fire. They're always a little obscured. Like, they're like, we know this guy is so lame. All he can do is wave this torch around. But maybe if we film it through some fire, nobody's going to notice. Yeah, like, he's just constantly, like, getting backed into corners and... <laughs> It was pretty pathetic. You know, when I think of Van Helsing, I think of, you know, this badass vampire slayer. And I I get that even within the context of the movie, he's supposed to be advanced in years. I I get it. But it just kind of neuters him as a hero. He's not really heroic at all. Uh, Ultimately... Spoiler alert, in the end, he kills Dracula almost by accident and super (laughs) fast. Like, like the climactic final scene between Van Helsing and Dracula lasts about three seconds. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, really lame. But we, we we can get there later. They, yeah, they go off on this expedition. And then that's really kind of all it is. Like, okay, we're going to go. Okay, we're going. First, some bad Chinese guys who are mad that they didn't get to seduce Vanessa show up. And right. we fight them. Big fight, big fight. Okay, well, we defeated them. And then we move along, move along. Oh, zombies! Fight, fight, fight! Like that's that's the bulk of the movie is is it this is. journey to get there. And then they have these. So it's like I said, you know, every ten pages there's got to be a fight or a flashback to a fight, uh, or you know, somebody's telling a story about the legend, or or even just in this case of this campfire scene that I was getting to. For no real reason, we're getting flashbacks to, and I don't know if it was flashbacks or supposed to be something that had recently happened, um, of these these vampires leave their pagoda and go down into that town and basically slaughter all the people and drag a bunch of women away so that they can strap them to those tables and, uh, you know, suck their blood. So, yeah, that happens. But then, you know, like I was saying earlier, how it really undercuts the badassery of this woman. Every single time 
that we cut to them just chilling. She's like doing some extremely domestic task. Like she's the one who's <laughs> cooking the, the meal, dishes, washing right? the dishes. And my my favorite line in the whole thing is, you know, <laughs> it's like Van Helsing's son, Leyland, is sitting against a tree next to Vanessa and they're chatting. And at first I thought, well, maybe they're going to have a, ro- a relationship or romance. But he's having these overtly obvious furtive glances with Megway, who is washing the dishes and she looks over and it's like goes back, goes back to washing dishes it's so embarrassing you know yeah back in my country that is an open invitation to help with the dishes yeah <laughs> uh, yeah that's funny so sure enough he goes over and starts handing her bowls you know and they tee and then vanessa wanders over to our main actor guy who is david chang actually um if you watch any hong kong films this guy is super popular he's like practically the tom cruise of hong kong cinema he's been in hundreds of movies and he's super recognizable and he almost always plays you know the main character he's a real good looking guy he's very Mm -hmm. talented uh and able to fight he's still alive uh you know i think his latest um thing that he did was back in 2016 so he's you know he's still kind of going so he then is developing this really forced love interest romance with her vanessa right they have this one scene him and vanessa and then later on they're like laying together in this cave that they camp out in and all this is very not very chinese like (laughs) you know it's pretty we're pretty conservative culture and this is clearly very western written yeah script you know what i mean yeah well did you say that the was it the sosa brothers what what did you what did you say who was the shaw brothers the shaw brothers are are they Western or are they Chinese? Chinese, yeah, from Hong Kong. Because this, it, it, this just really felt like a very American idea of what mm-hmm. kung fu movie would be, and and maybe even maybe even the the Chinese people behind it knew that they were marketing it in a Western yeah. market, and so they you know they were Put kind of giving giving us what they thought we wanted or whatever but it was i mean like because what you said the the main guy you could t- you can tell even though his character you know he has so little to work with you can tell that he's very charismatic and i i can only presume a fine actor and you know fighter stuntman whatever he may be but they're just tropes you know like all of the chinese characters are just stereotypes yeah which in in 2019 just feels a little icky like you know you just kind of want to i look at it and feel like oh gosh those guys deserved better (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. make them make them the real heroes of the story as they should have been because the American or whatever they're supposed to be, the the white actors, really, their characters are so lame. Yeah. You know, they, they completely rely on these other people to, to protect them. And they just feel so disposable, the Chinese characters. Like, so they have a big fight with the, the zombies and the vampires, like, in this big cave before they even get to the village that they're trying to get to. And the seven vampires are there, and they're like zombie minions or whatever their minions are. And they fight, and it's really kind of a great fight sequence. There's a lot going on. And, you know, it just kind of cuts from one part of the fight to another. Like, it's all going on at the same time, but the camera just moves from one scene to another, and we get to see all of that going down. And they end up taking out three of the six remaining golden vampires with really no casualties on their side at all. Yeah. But at the end the main Chinese brother says to Van Helsing, we can't do this again. We won't survive another attack like this. (laughs) And Van Helsing is like, yeah, you will. It's fine. (laughs) 
trust yeah. me on this. Well, he, he, you'd think he'd be just a little happier that he killed off three of the six that they are going right. after. <laughs> they haven't even made it to the village yet, and they've already accomplished half of their goal. You'd think he'd be a little more but pumped he, up. Van Helsing convinces them to continue on, and they do continue on, and they find the village, and like they find... I don't know, one of those gold masks or something, and so they realize that the legend is true, and um, so then they get to the village, yeah, which Yeah, apparently is, they, don't, they don't move the bodies or any of the materials there where, where the farmer was taken out. Right. <laughs> what, 50, 100 years later? <laughs> right. But anyway, they get back to the village, and I, I don't even think the village is inhabited anymore, but, like, they... They start to fortify it, like they dig this big trench, and they set up these great big spikes, and they basically just wait for the vampires and their minions to arrive and fight, Yeah, which is what happens, like Dracula blesses them in the name of Satan or something, and they come down... More undead arrive. But eventually it turns into a big melee. I think all but, like, one of the brothers ends up getting killed very kind of unceremoniously. Yeah. And that just, it just kind of bothered me. Like, mm-hmm. even, you know, like, the sister lives and the main brother lives, but, like, they barely even acknowledge that the rest of them died. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's this is not the Magnificent Seven or the Seven Samurai. You know, you, you they they you're right. They just don't care. There's no build up. There's no nothing. Some of them die in really lame ways. You 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 get the sense that maybe on a shot by shot basis, they're really trying. Like I think there's this one scene where a brother's hand gets cut yeah, off. Two of them. It's the brothers. Like one of their their shtick is like that they grab hands together and like swing around on one another, and so they. They, they do that, and then their hands both get chopped off, and they're laying there, like, next to each other dying, and they, like, high-five, and then they die. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, they take out a couple vampires, I think, in the process. Like, one of them falls into a fire pit with another one. But again, it's like, whereas a lot of these vampire scenes, when the vampires get killed, we get these extremely long yeah. shots of them crumbling away, which... I mean, the special effects are what they are. Uh, it's it looks like kind of latex masks covered in caked in mud and 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 dirt and makeup that are just slowly deflated, and so everything kind of. Well, and they kind of deteriorate into dust, and I'm not really sure how they did it, but it seemed like they were really proud of themselves because they <laughs> really lingered on, on these shots. And like it, it, it seemed like some sort of time-lapse photography or... Maybe. There was something. some of it. There was some fading going on, too, where they kind of yeah. fade slowly from a scene of this stuff happening to like bones with some right. dust around them that kind of thing but then you know in this fight scene when they've taken out at least two more vampires they don't really give it all of that drama like i think one brother just quite literally is embraces a vampire and they're both rolling around and they both fall into a fire pit and that's it yeah. Like, there's no big deal over the brother's death. There's no big deal over the vampire. You just kind of have to be paying attention to know. And if you blinked in that five seconds, you might not even notice, oh, one of the six vampires is dead now, uh, as well as one of the brothers. Oh, and I totally did, because because I was I was taking notes. And so, like, I would write something, and I would look up, and I, I had no idea who was still alive and who was dead. I, I suppose kind of the pivotal moments of the scene are that um, one of the vampires spies Vanessa, like, cowering in the corner and he runs over to her and he bites her and i didn't know what that meant because they play it a little bit loose with the lore and and they explain that by saying van helsing senior says my knowledge so far as it goes is limited to the european hemisphere i had hoped to learn something of the east from the faculty of chinese history but as you witnessed the professors were not forthcoming to say the least of it they abhor anything that has a holy significance 
They fear the word of the Lord. In Europe, the vampire walks in dread of the crucifix. And here, it will be the image of the Lord Buddha. Well, I know what European vampires are like, but I don't know what Chinese vampires are like, so it's kind of loosey-goosey. <laughs> you know, like, who yeah. knows? <laughs> and I, I actually thought that was kind of clever. Yeah. It was clever, except it really never came into play. You know, when the farmer in the legend came back, uh, he tossed the medallion that he had stolen on a statue of a Buddha. When he died, the vampire went to get that medallion, but because it was on a Buddha, he wasn't able to get it, so he ended up dying. And that's why these vampires are pissed, is they're trying to retrieve that last medallion so that they could raise him up. Right. But aside from that and the fact that they set up a little Buddha statue at the entrance to that cave... It made no difference because everybody came in anyway. Uh, so there wasn't any of that. And the other thing that I was a little surprised by is I thought this was a big setup. There's this big deal about this medallion. The whole thing kind of got kicked off by stealing this medallion. We know that if you take the medallion away from them, they'll die pretty soon. And so I thought part of this tactic, because, oh, hey, the legend is true, Van Helsing's going to turn around and say, all right, guys, go for the medallions. Yank them off of these guys once they come in. Right. But that doesn't happen either. You know, the yeah. medallions are just swinging around their necks pretty carelessly <laughs> while they're engaged in, you know, 20 minutes of kung fu fighting with the brothers and the townspeople so it didn't make a lot of sense well and they're just there there really didn't seem to be all that much at as you've mentioned all that much at stake because even in their first uh battle with the vampires they kill three of them so there's only three left and for them to have their ultimate power or whatever they have to be all seven so like they pretty much have won after the first battle. Like I like I don't even yeah, really I don't even really know why even bother kill the rest of them. You know? well, and thanks a lot Dracula. Like uh, back us up a little bit here. He does nothing. Right. <laughs> <You know>? Nothing. <laughs> anyway, in the second battle Vanessa gets bit and then uh young Van Helsing, the main brother comes and kills the vampire that bit her, but then she approaches him seductively and, uh, you know, smiles to reveal that she has fangs, and then she bites him, and old Van Helsing yells to him, you must destroy her! So, fortunately, there's a big spike right behind her, so he just throws her onto it, and uh, she dies. And then, I guess, because he's been bitten, he realizes that he's going to be a vampire, too. So he, in a very samurai fashion, throws himself onto the same spike so that they are impaled together. Yeah. And that was the only death that I even cared about. I felt I I wanted that main guy to kind of end up being the hero, but... No, the white people are going to be the heroes, obviously. Because <laughs> they're <laughs> worthless, but they're white, so... That's right. <laughs> because, because what basically happens is the last vampire standing manages to snag the previously badass Megway and toss her onto a horse and gallop back up to the pagoda. And what is going on here? Like, what is his end game? I just don't, I don't get know. it. Like, he straps her down to a table, and he's about to bite into her. But of course, um, the young Van Helsing, Leyland, sees this going on, and so he runs up there as well uh, as the man on the white horse jumps in just in the nick of time and has a bit of a fight with him. But what ends up happening is, in the meantime, it, this has been enough time for the older Van Helsing to come in, and he stabs this creature from the back, which in which moment it falls into that big boiling blood vat that was in the middle of the room and becomes nothing. Right. And they all look around and kind of dust themselves off and say, job well done, and leave. But Van Helsing stays around, the older one, because something doesn't feel quite right. And sure enough, as he turns over, he sees Dracula, which is, you know, in the form of this other guy. He challenges him, you know, don't be a coward. Show me your true form. And then there is a really long, mm -hmm. really weird, <laughs> bad special effect uh, fading again through some bizarre stuff. Of, you know, yeah, at one point he looks like a giant turd. Like, <laughs> I didn't... <laughs> 
was just so like a melted weird. candle. It was not their best effort, to be completely honest. And then he, you know, Van Helsing just stands there while Dracula walks up about three inches away from him and then gives him a big smack across the face, which sends him. <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh, God. Dracula just slaps what? Van Helsing around like a bitch for a while. <laughs> it's so lame. It's so bad. Uh, what, it's terribly staged. And like you said, suddenly Van Helsing swings around at one point and is able to impale him with a, a spear that was hanging around. Yeah, and that special, the transformation special effect goes on for a good 45 seconds. Yeah, and at then, least. And then the whole, the whole fight takes maybe all of a minute. And really, it's not a fight at all. It's just Van Helsing getting slapped around <laughs> until he finally like gets slapped around and falls down near a big pole. So he just turns around with the pole, and Dracula pretty much impales himself on it. <laughs> That's right. Yo, man, it, it, it's pretty bad. And then we get treated to at least a two-minute-long scene of Dracula crumbling into dust. Yeah. Oh, at least. So long. Oh. And And then I thought, well... Maybe then now something else is going to happen. But no, that's just it. At the end, like, <laughs> it pulls to an exterior shot of the pagoda, and you see the, the title comes up again, The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. And then the credits roll. I know. it's. I it's... don't know. H- have you seen, I- I'm presuming that you have seen, some of these other Hammer Dracula films? Oh, almost films? all of like, them. Almost all of them, yeah. They surely can't all be this bad. No, they're not all this bad. Not, not at all. No, they're they're much much better films than this one. This this film, bless its heart, you know, it doesn't really know what it wants to be. I, I think at its core, it really just wants to be a kung fu movie. Yeah, but it's not even a very good kung fu movie, and so you know, it's just kind of lame all around. And well, there's a major continuity error in here. There's a major problem with this film from the get go. If in 1804. Dracula is approached and takes the body of this guy, and he goes off to China for a hundred years. Who, in the meantime, how was he back at the castle for Van Helsing to go and have, you know, like, six other movies with him? It it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. (laughs) Like, are we to believe that this is how Dracula meets his final demise, is in a pagoda in China? Um, on that table, yeah, uh, it's 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 really bad. They don't even care, you know. I mean, it's so obvious they don't even they don't even care. And then, like I said, that it's still a little icky. The stuff between and and they're tr- they're not even trying with these relationships either. Like I feel no. like that moment where he impales himself and her on that spike was supposed to be a crying moment. Like oh my right. gosh, like there's this sacrifice for love kind of thing. But because they just kind of looked at each other and now their boyfriend girlfriend um yeah it just doesn't have that impact just the movie you know is way more interested in the fighting uh, and the fighting's not even that good uh to take the time to raise the stakes it was okay i mean i was i was grateful for the fight scenes because at least it was something to look at um but yeah i mean it wasn't great it, they were all right I, I, one of the things that i was disappointed about I didn't read much about the movie, but I, you know, I looked at the IMDb page to see who was in it, to see if there was anybody that I would recognize, and I saw Peter Cushing, and I'm like, oh, Peter Cushing is, you know, a a really well-respected actor, I'm, I'm sure that he'll be really good, and... He just felt old and sad, like, <laughs> like, were really like I, I, I do. I need to go and watch some of the earlier films uh, that he was in to see if it was any different because it, it, it really this movie made his Van Helsing, whichever Van Helsing it's supposed to be, it made him seem really just kind of pathetic. I mean, he was really more just kind of the academic who tagged along and didn't really have anything to do. Yeah. And I feel like maybe they tried to remedy that by putting in his son, like, oh, okay, well, yeah, Peter Cushing's old, so let's give him a son who can be kind of the romantic hero. Mm. Um, But he was lame too, in a more like cocksure kind of 
lame guy kind of way. I I just, you know, I I hear the name Van Helsing and I've seen him portrayed by Hugh Jackman and many other people and, you know, he's just kind of this badass vampire killer and in this movie he's just kind of this sad old guy who nobody really gives any credence to and that that was a little bit disappointing to me. But this whole movie, it it feels like... (sighs) Not fan fiction, but, you know, some sort of, like, alternate universe Dracula. Yeah. It it doesn't really feel like the Dracula that I know. So it it just feels separate from all of that. So I'm not going to... My vision of the whole Dracula lore and the Van Helsing lore is not going to be really tainted by this movie. Because it... It feels, you know, like in in the comic books, you know, there are rebooting and changing things. Yeah, different universes and stuff like that's what this feels like. It, It feels like kind of an alternate universe kind of story. And so whatever it is, what it is. Frankly, I didn't hate it. We've certainly watched worse movies. It was all right. Yeah. I, I, I certainly wouldn't need to see it again, but it, I don't know. It was okay. Well, I think, you know, you got to give him a little credit for trying. I mean, it is a really intriguing idea, and on its face, it's just so wacky that it sounds yeah. exciting. Like, yeah, Dracula has gone to China and raises up seven other vampires, and they all fight kung fu style with seven brothers aka the magnificent seven or something like that right I mean, it's just so nuts right but it's just not as entertaining as it should be with that nutty of a premise <laughs> you know? yeah yeah it's, it's kind of a wasted uh, high concept idea i think well and i i don't know as you know i don't know that much much of anything really at all about the Hammer Dracula films but knowing that this was the last one I can kind of see why I mean it kind of feels like a nail in the coffin kind of movie you know like yeah (laughs) we're fresh out of ideas (laughs) (laughs) well there was going to be a sequel to this one too um, that was going to take place in uh, India called Kali, the Devil Bride of Dracula, but I think Ooh. because this one wasn't a success, that that got canceled. That sounds more interesting than this one. Actually, it does, doesn't it? There's a bride in there, there's a devil, it takes place in India. <laughs> but, alas, was never meant to be. No, okay, I am putting the horror of Dracula on our list. We need to watch that soon, because... You've got to have some context. We got to do more of these Hammer Dracula films because I know quite... I'm kind of surprised we never have. You know, my uh, my dad is the guy that got me into horror movies, and when um, he guested with us a million years ago, uh, he talked about how those were these these old school monster movies were what he grew up with, and um, I, I've never seen them, uh, mm. and and so we should we should do some of these uh, old nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> we'll remedy that. Yep. This is <laughs> this is a nugget that's been in the fryer a little too long. <laughs> yeah, true. But uh yeah. I, I think maybe I'm ready for something a little bit more contemporary in in next week. <laughs> we will do it. All right, well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. You can find us on Facebook. And just search for Two Guys and a Chainsaw. You can also find us on our website where we have all of our back catalog of episodes available for download or streaming, twoguys.red40net.com. Uh, obviously, we're also available wherever you can search and find your podcast, such as iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all those places. Um, we love to hear from you. We love to hear what you think. If you happen to have seen this movie, let us know what you think of our assessment of it. And uh, leave us a few suggestions for the next movie you'd like us to do. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah.